0: Welcome to episode 367 of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And this is a special video episode. If you are listening and you'd rather be watching, you can go to YouTube and just type in We Don't Die Radio 367. As a reminder, our home base is wedontdie.com. Where you can now find between this show and my other show, which is called Shades of the Afterlife, well over 400 episodes all about the afterlife. Pretty crazy, but I'm very excited to be the host for both of them. The thing that makes the shows different is that show, Shades of the Afterlife, does have commercial breaks, but it is talking about different topics all within one episode whereas this one we get the privilege of just talking to one special person with no commercial breaks and just finding out about their history also about we don't die at wedontdie.com you can find out all about our upcoming classes our workshops our facebook group support through grief medium demonstrations all kinds of things are there for you so today we are talking to a wonderful medium and a wonderful person. Her name is Dory Rice. I first met Dory back in 2020 after COVID hit the world. And we started doing online psychic medium workshops with our friends Phil and Carrie. And I do believe she's attended things with us since April or May. She's demonstrated her mediumship on our world-famous Sunday gathering and has also given a warm and wonderful address to our global community, and I'm sure there will be more. Dory is kind, she's wise, she's pleasant, and I've always thought very highly of her, so I'm so grateful today to have her with us, and I wanted to know her better, so I think it's perfect that we both get to find out more about Dory and what brought her into this world of discovering the afterlife, and then as a medium, sharing the reality of the afterlife, because she is a woman who really lives for being of service to others. You can find out more about her at her website, doryrice.com. So Dory, welcome to We Don't Die Radio.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Sandra. I'm, I'm just so delighted to be here. I don't think we've ever had a long conversation. So this is going to be a delight. We never
0: have. It's just saying hello in one of the classes. That's or right. Maybe in a breakout room or quickly on the Sunday gathering. But I really mean what I say. I've always thought very highly of you. You're always somebody who seems to me pretty even keeled, knowledgeable, wise, but really caring. Plus, I know your commitment to the spirit world and good education and good mediumship. So for all that stuff and whatever has brought you there here now today just thank you for being who you are
1: thank you that's very kind of you and I know that I yes I am committed yes I'm you are committed to the spirit world
0: <laughs> you are well let's go back and tell us your story because we we haven't had this conversation how in no. the world did a nice girl like you get involved with <laughs> the afterlife
1: uh, well it it started pretty young with me um, I was really I was two and a half. The uh, the first and only time I saw spirit objectively, I was. Um, it was two days after my seventeen month old sister passed to the spirit world, and I had been present with her when she passed. We were playing together. There were we were only uh, fourteen months apart in age. Um, my grandparents were looking after me uh, because my mom was very distraught after my sister's passing and I woke suddenly and I was in the bed sleeping with them and I woke very suddenly and um I saw a spirit form standing at the end of the bed or I say standing but it doesn't feel as though it was standing and I started to scream I was frightened and I woke my grandparents and they told me that I'd had a nightmare and um, I kept on denying it was a nightmare that there there had been somebody standing there. Anyway, um, they calmed me down. They went back to sleep, but I did not. And I crept out of the room. And I went into the front bedroom where my little sister's coffin was. This was in Aberdeen, Scotland. So at the time, that was the custom that the the coffin was carried from home to the church and then to the graveyard. So I wanted to make sure she was still where she was supposed to be and um, so I looked in and she was lying quietly in her coffin so I felt much more at ease and I went back to bed but um, as much as everybody tried to tell me that that was only a nightmare I had been dreaming I can still to this day picture this in my mind and it's just like when we have a visitation in the night that's not a dream it's vivid it lasts and it doesn't fade. So, um, and then that was, I've always had what I call a—I call it a God urge. Um, um, although that the word God is, is, sometimes it has a feeling that isn't what I want to express. It's more like a, uh, I want to know something that is always out of my reach. And I'd had that ever since I was a child. And I remember telling my mother, that um, it was impossible for me to die. And she wanted to know, why was that? And I said, because the world would disappear if I died. My mother said, that's nonsense. We'd still be here. And I said, well, to me, you'd be gone. I might never see you again that way. And I said, I know that's not going to happen. So um, I never did lose that God urge, even though I cycled through a lot of different churches looking to find whatever it was I was looking for. Wow,
0: you know what a mighty little kid you were with all those questions <laughs> and those thoughts. And oh, huh.
1: at, at eleven, I I was fortunate too that I, I was a little bit of a, I was a child that lived inside her head a lot
0: mm-hmm.
1: and inside her soul. I think, I remember going home from school one day when I was eleven, and I used to always in the springtime look at the buds on the trees, and I always wanted to catch just that 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 instant when they broke out and I always missed it. And I kept on looking every springtime And this one day I'm 11, I'm walking home. I look up at the trees. I missed it again. And Oh, I was so angry with myself. I said, you said you were going to watch. You said you were going to watch every day. Why didn't you look? And then all of a sudden it felt like I was inside The world, as if the world was an egg. And I was inside this egg, and the shell was cracking open. And all I could see was this beautiful, beautiful navy blue sky filled with stars. And it must have been like the Milky Way or something. But in that instance, I knew there were worlds inside worlds, inside worlds. And then I had, I, I, I could only describe it as bliss. As an 11 year old, I wouldn't have known what word to use, but it was like a bliss because the shivers just ran down me and it, it only lasted seconds. But again, it's something that stays with you. And I never told anyone about it. It felt too special. It felt, it was a miracle. I call that my first epiphany, my first total comprehension that there was something beyond and I'd had a taste of it. And And it left you wanting more tastes, can I assume? Always. It never went away until, until it did go away once I, um, I came face to face with the divine. And, um, when I was, um, in my, I, spiritualism was something that was common in our household because, in Scotland, it's much more common than it is in North America. And my, my mother had gone to uh, a spiritualist church when she was nine years old. Um, and I know that um, my, when my dad came back from the war, he went to a spiritualist demonstration with my mom and, and friends of theirs. So it was, it was nothing that was strange in our household or in our community. And uh, I, I, always, I always had an interest in it. And then when I uh, was in Montreal and I was a young mother, um, I went to the First Spiritualist Church of Montreal and became acquainted with several of the mediums there, one of which uh, Peggy Eaton got to be quite a friend. Um, And then time passed and I moved. And then out of the blue, uh, Peggy called me and she and I had both moved. I have no idea how she found me because I haven't seen her in about two or three years. And she insisted she was coming to my house the next day uh, because I needed healing, which I did. And so um, Peggy arrived. Um, Luckily, I had a spare bed that I could put her up in. But uh, she just walked in, dropped her suitcase and said, go sit in a chair and I'm going to do an energy healing for you. And um, she did that. And then she kept her hands on my shoulder and said, keep your eyes closed. And then all of a sudden, I had this smell that came. And she said, Tell me what you're seeing. I said, I'm not seeing, I'm smelling. And she said, Well, what are you smelling? And I said, Death. She said, How do you know it's death? I said, I don't know, but I know it's the smell of death. So um, she then said, I want to hear and see everything you're seeing. So as this was unfolding in front of me, I saw a rectangular, uh, stone, I don't know what to call it at, at the time I called it like a um, uh, like an altar. and up above there were lights shining down on it. There were stone walls and there was arches and I could hear murmuring in the background. and I felt like I was underground when I was in this place. And so then the scene shifted and Peggy said, What are you seeing now?' I said, now I'm on a um, a seashore or a lakeshore, and I'm looking down at hard-packed sand. And she said, now what are you seeing? I said, I-, I see a, I see men's feet, and and they're in these very very worn sandals. And she said, look up a bit. I, I see I I see the edge of a rope. And then she said, look all the way up. And when I looked up, I was looking at a man who was dressed as a monk in a very rough brown cassock. And the thing that drew me the most was his eyes. He had very, very compelling eyes. He had a basket of shells on his arm. I remember that. And Peggy just said to me, Dory, you pay attention to this man. This man, this monk is going to be very important in your future. And that was it. And that was when I was in my 20s. And then you fast forward. It's 2006. Uh, My husband had passed in 2004. Um, I had been living in Florida for uh, 16 years, I guess, um, since 1990. And um, grief didn't set in until two years after he passed. For two years, I was totally numb. Um, The outside of me kept on functioning because I had, I owned a business. I had um, employees. I had a mortgage. I had responsibilities. Um, I had every problem that came down uh, the pike after he died. <laughs> in retrospect, I, I said that, that my troubles lined up like airplanes on, on the runway at Tampa International airport, you know, as one took off, another one landed. Right. So it's lucky in a way that I was numb. So um Anyway, um, I had always wanted to go to Italy, and my grief had really almost morphed into a depression at that time, and um, I was having a a constant argument with God, because I felt that he deserted me. I called him a he, but it wasn't even a he. It was just whoever you are. I was that annoyed, uh, because I felt that um, I'd been left with nothing. And that um, I was in the depths of depression and pain. And I kept knocking at the door and no one was opening it. So um, we weren't, the greater power in myself weren't on good terms by the time I got to Assisi. And um, my girlfriend who accompanied me on that trip said, let's ditch the guides Let's just drop our stuff at the hotel. Let's go to the Basilica by ourselves because Assisi is a very special place. She had been there before, so I said, "All right." I was um, I was fed up of earphones and being in churches that I never got to feel. I had to be listening to the history of the church and all the rest of it. So I, I was I was game. So we went and we crossed the main church, went down to the lower church, which is quite dark. And um, the basilica was built on top of the lower church of St. Francis. So I just got down that stairs. I stumbled, sat down into a pew. Esme was sitting beside me. That was my girlfriend. And I started off again and said, you know, God, you have deserted me. You've done nothing for me. I keep asking asking for your help, and nothing happens. I'm done. I'm fed up. I can't do this anymore. I'm at the end of my tether. There's nothing left for me. I have no future. All I could see was I was going to be the caregiver for my mother, and there would be nothing else. I would have no life. There was nothing. And then all of a sudden, this loud, booming voice Came from I have no idea where. And it said. In all thy ways. Acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. And I just sat. Boat upright. And opened my eyes. And looked around. And I started sobbing. Because I realized. The vision I had had. With Peggy Eaton in my 20s was now coming alive right in front of me it was a murmuring in the background it was monks holding a service in front of me was the rectangular I guess it's a beer or sarcophagus of Saint Francis there was a light shining from up above onto the coffin and there were stone walls all around and very dim light. And I just, I just couldn't believe. I also at the same time knew that that very verse, which came from Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 3.16, was written in the flyleaf of a Bible that I had. It was given to me by my in-laws when I was 17. So it was like. It, it was just another epiphany, and I, I I just didn't know what to do with myself. so Esme just put her arm around my shoulders and said, "I, I gotta get you out of here. So we go outside and I'm standing there and I'm you know when you get that, you're crying and you can't get your breath and you're going and you're I'm trying to tell her what had happened because at first I thought she must have heard what I heard. But of course she didn't. And then I I said, I, I've got to tell you what happened. But before I could get it out, those shivers, those that bliss, that it just tingles. It's as if your blood has developed um a vibration of its own through all of your arteries and veins. It just it just goes. It it's not a tingle, it's It's almost like a buzz or a hum. And that went through me for about 10 seconds. And then there was just this peace, this peace that just came over me. And then I just looked at Esme and I just told her what had happened. And the depression was gone. There was just this amazing, amazing peace that I felt and I, I just I, I, I didn't know how to describe it even now the feeling comes back every time I tell this story the feeling comes back to me so long story short um, I get back home um, we went back to Florida for the winter time and um, I started uh, my mom and I spotted a Uh, something in the newspaper about a spiritualist church. So um, we went the next Sunday. And we got a copy of the church bulletin as we went in. We took our seats in the pew. And I started looking at the church bulletin. And then I nudged my mother because I had told her what happened. And I pointed at the bottom of the church bulletin and here at the bottom was proverbs three sixteen: in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths mm-hmm. so i knew i was in the right place at the right time um although i have had so many and many many gifts from spirit that um i call them miracles um gifts gifts of grace um uh, spirit has been so good to me in my life. So um I feel as though we've we've had a very good relationship ever since. And as for having the body urge satisfied, a CC did that for me.
0: That's very special. Very few have an opportunity or an experience like that.
1: Um I, I I'm I'm aware of that now. Um And I I kept on saying, well, why me? And I I think it's, we're meant to do the best that we can for ourselves. But when it comes time that we surrender, when we give up our, our fight in a way, when we surrender to whatever power we acknowledge as a divine power, then that's when that power lifts us up. It, I just felt like I had been lifted into another dimension, although I know it wasn't another dimension. But when I was lifted up, I have never felt that kind of depression again in my life because I've always known from that point forward that I am never alone. It doesn't matter how many of my loved ones have passed. I am never alone.
0: That's beautiful. and it's. I think in our deepest grief and depression and things like that it has an opportunity to a cup, do a couple things. I mean some people who don't have any faith or spirituality they can die inside inter- etern- internally and live the rest of their life just as a shell of a human or it has the opportunity to crack open that egg and get us on that spiritual journey.
1: I think it's a wonderful opportunity to come face to face with that power of love um that once we're at rock bottom we're so open to whatever comes in and i think that's why so many people um in the depths of grief or at any other um chaotic aspect in their lives when when they reach out and when they are really really at wits end that there's an opportunity, and you know, I don't think we even have to be open to it. It's almost as if um, that bolt of lightning just just strikes us, and it's a life changing event. When did the
0: afterlife and mediumship start coming into you? I mean, I know you'd witness it at a spiritualist church. Did you ever have any? Connections that way, or how did how did that open up? Because you are a medium to be reckoned with. You are out there making a difference now. So, but how did you get involved?
1: Um, I had, as you, as I said, I, I had been very aware of uh, spiritualism when I um after a um I started really. I started meditating, and um, I started first with a recording um of Dr. Brian Weiss. And but the only thing was I listened for 5 minutes and then all of a sudden I went someplace else. Um and I couldn't understand why um I think I heard it the first time but then I would sit every morning at the same time on the couch in the same place and um I would get these wonderful colors with this that would start to arrive and um, I desperately wanted to to know that there was more coming for me than what had happened at Assisi. Because to my mind, I'd had these signals throughout my life. So that I was, I felt that I was on the the cusp of something new happening. So um, one evening, it wasn't evening actually, it was three o'clock in the morning, which um, I've heard is for poets and mediums. (laughs) that we wake up at that time. Um, I think worry warts do too. But um, anyway, I I woke up and I thought, oh, I can't get back to sleep. This is terrible. So I thought, well, if I meditate, maybe I will be able to sleep. And uh, so I I go into my quiet place. And then all of a sudden, um, I had a clairvoyant vision that came in. And the clairvoyant vision, I was looking at a young woman with long dark hair and she was holding the hands of the lady, which I knew was me. And all I could see really was her eye, were her eyes. Um, and she was staring at me. And it was as if her, her eyes were giving me a message to pay attention. And all of a sudden, um, across, and it was like a moving picture. Um, there was this beautiful breastplate that was like hammered, Silver that had turquoise inlaid in it. And that passed. And then there was a headdress that came that had like peacock feathers going all the way down to the ground. And I thought, oh my gosh, what is this? And then another Claire Audience episode, very loud, and I saw a word. And as I heard the word, each of the letters was spelled out. And the word was Hualteca. And it Hmm. was H-U-A-L-T-E-C-A. And I didn't know if this was a real word, if it was another language. And then I got a second word. And the second word was Tolteca, given to me exactly the same way. So don't ask me how. I went back to sleep next morning, I still had this in my head. I wrote it down. I have that journal. I'm not a good journaler. I'm a good starter, but not a good finisher. So uh, I wrote it down. (laughs) You know, I'll write for three months or so. And then I'll say, Oh, you know, I don't have time. So. Um, So I was telling my mother about it. And she said, Well, why don't you do that googly thing, you know, on the computer, (laughs) find out what it means. So I did. And um, I found out that Qualteca was in the. I don't know how I'm not pronouncing it correctly. I know the Nahuatl language, which is from the ancient Aztecs, and it's still spoken today by one and a half million people, mostly in the um, in Central Mexico area and Central America. And it means now. When I looked it up, it first came in a Nahuatl French dictionary. Luckily, I do speak some French, so. Um, it said "ser surgir quelque chose," so I had to go look up that because I didn't know what "surgir" meant. So I went and I looked it up, and it means to cause to appear, or to loom. Now I had been asking for proof positive that this was real, and this was my proof positive because I knew nothing about the Aztecs. I didn't know about the. I didn't know the language existed. I had never been to a place where the language was spoken. My ancestry goes back to the 1600s. It's all Scottish. Right. So it was was really strange. And then I found that Tolteca, whom I took to be the young woman who was holding my hand, means um, a woman from Tolan or a wise woman or an artisan, so I thought, well, you asked for the proof. From that day forward, and well, actually, it was from the day of Assisi, I have studied, I have developed, I've sat in circles, I've taken classes. And then in, I think it was 2009, all of a sudden, I started getting music and lyrics, and I started writing, Um. By 2010, I guess it was, I was demonstrating in the church I was attending. Um, in, I was doing, uh, they used to hold a fair once a month. I did that. Um, I did um, private readings. I just, I couldn't get enough. And then I was motivated to become a reverend. Um, not because I wanted to have a church and not because I wanted to be a preacher, but I wanted to separate myself and show that I was dedicated to the evidential spiritual medium aspect of um, of this, whatever anyone wants to call it, whether we call it the spiritual side of life or I wanted that. I wanted it to be sacred somehow because it was to me and so I did become ordained in 2013 um I didn't become ordained to do weddings and funerals and and that sort of thing that my motivation was strictly from from within Um, and it's funny you know I'm wearing this because this is the Saint Francis cross Mm -hmm. I left Assisi so quickly I never did get to enjoy Assisi or do what the tourists do in Assisi. And the minister who sponsored me for uh, the ministry knew this story. And she obtained this St. Francis cross for me and gave it to me as a gift on my ordination. So I I do cherish it. So um, it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. In 2013, I had the delight of having Um, inspirational channeled messages come to me, which I did for five months, no, nine months, I guess it was. And I shared it with five friends. At the same time, live as it was coming through, I would, I would sit in meditation, I would hear what the topic was. And then I would go to my desk. And I would write. And um, the writing came in, which I found out was something called Scriptio Continua. Uh, a friend of mine uh, had to tell me what it was because I didn't understand. It, um, it was in cursive, but it was all of one piece. There were, there were no capitals. There were no breaks between sentences. It just was one run on all the way through. And um, it was really, really unusual. And and I looked it up and I found out it was um, how the the ancient um, Greeks and Romans did in classical times. And that's how they wrote. So um, that lasted for quite a long time. So um, I have just kept following the path wherever spirit has pointed. I've tried to listen, try to follow that guidance because. I took that message from that Bible verse as being if I acknowledged that power within me and I listened and felt and followed that guidance, that's what I was meant to do.
0: Amazing that you're following the breadcrumbs and the only if only we could all <laughs> do that. Fast forward a little. How did we end up meeting? How did you end up meeting Carrie and Phil and here we are um,
1: today. Well, in um, um, yes, it is a fast forward. Um, in 2013, I guess it was. I stopped being um, a snowbird with my mother because she she really was ill and too difficult for us to uh, make the uh, the trip. And um, so I was back full time in in uh, Canada. Uh, which was for me easier. It's very difficult to lead a life where you are half the year in one place and half the year in another because you 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 have your feet in two two different countries. Um, friends um, have their lives continue on without you, so you feel kind of rootless. Okay. So when I came back here, I had started going to a church in um, in 2011. I started going to a church in Burlington, and it was there that I started sitting in circle. Um, it was there that I, I led a circle, uh, two circles, I guess, uh, one in that church. And in 2018, um, Phil, uh, did a workshop and that's when I first met Phil and I had, um, I think it was, I counted, uh, I had 15 tutors before Phil and Carrie Mm -hmm. and, um, but something resonated with me that hadn't resonated with any other kind of teacher. And I know the expression is that um, when the teacher arrives, you know, when the pupil is ready, the teacher arrives. Right. And um, Phil was the one that did it for me. And then following the next course, Phil and Carrie came. And then I thought, oh my goodness, and she's Scottish too, you know, so yes. that that spoke to my heart a little That's bit. That's right. And, um, and then I, I went to um, the Netherlands and did a program with both of them over there. And it was just, I never, after that time, um, took any more tutoring from anybody else. And then COVID happened. And then everything was so compressed and so wonderful to have that connection with Phil and Carrie and, uh, and the, the worldwide community that we have in workshops. And uh, I think I've only missed two episodes of the gathering since it started. Um, wow. It is it's... Now my church, Oh, um, um uh, it's the only church I go to now, um, except if I'm serving at church mm-hmm. and, um, so, between workshops and the gathering, uh, I have a really healthy dose of spirit in my life each and every day. It's wonderful it's I know a lot of people have suffered under covid and in some ways yes i've I've had difficulties too, but I have been so blessed with um with the community, with the family with the with the ability to um to soak up so much knowledge.
0: I'm going to ask you a question that I know the answer to, but I'm going to ask anyways. Uh, Well, first of all, we have our classes with Phil and Carrie. They do Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays online every week. And um, Tuesdays is the way to your spirit. Wednesdays is psychic class and Thursdays is mediumship. So we've been doing it since May, I guess, 2020, which have been wonderful, but what is the difference the, in your life those classes have made? And if you could talk a mm. little bit about what happens, because I'm not a practicing medium out in the world doing demonstrations or anything, nor do I feel trained and practiced enough to do that. But there's what I see is magic that occurs in the Thursday classroom. Just talk a little bit about that.
1: I think that the magic occurs because of the tutors that we have. Um, They are, they're so supportive. Um, Other tutors um, I've had, I have had some what I would call supportive tutors. But Phil and Carrie can critique and teach in such a nurturing way. Uh, that I have not seen. The other thing that there is such an absence of in a lot of workshops that I have been in before, there's this feeling of competition between the mediums who are taking these courses and you feel it. That's totally absent. We are all, I use the word family or community. We are all very supportive of each other. We, We cheer on the development of other people because it's we see the leaps and bounds. And I think that's because um, in the past, when it was in person all the time, you would maybe take a workshop in the spring and you might take another workshop in the fall. And um, between the two, you should be doing um, um, sitting in the power, which is really emphasized by Philly Carey. But You don't really keep that continuity the way you do with the classes that we do on Zoom because we're involved day in, day out with this. And the knowledge is just compressed and you grow so much faster. It's just... um, I know that so many people thought Zoom wasn't going to work for teaching mediumship or it wouldn't work for doing communication with uh, the spirit world. But, you know, nobody thinks about the fact that energy doesn't need a place. Energy can be anywhere. It's not confined. And so doing the Zoom classes and having the continuous education and the ability to have practice sessions Um, to do demonstrations, even though we can't do them in person, we're still exercising and honing our skills. It's absolutely, um, I pray that Zoom and all that we've learned about it never goes away when it comes to mediumship and psychism and teaching online um, or church online. Unfortunately, I don't think it's helped a lot of churches who have buildings, et cetera. But, oh, it has certainly spread the word of spirituality and mediumship and the afterlife like nothing has ever done before. The reach is phenomenal. I would have
0: never seen this coming. For many know that I lost my main business, my catering business, which paid the bills. (laughs) And talking about the afterlife and doing We Don't Die radio. It was more than a hobby, it was a passion, but it didn't provide any income. So we had to think very quickly on our feet when COVID hit and Carrie and Phil, um, great mediums, and then Scott Milligan, also a great medium, they they couldn't travel, they couldn't work. And I'm sure it was the spirit world that put the thought in my mind, let's do something online. Let's figure out this Zoom thing. And do it. And so not only doing the classes every week, but this Sunday gathering really grew out of doing something that not only help other people, but help us as well, provide spirituality with mediumship Mm -hmm. demonstration included in each one. But you've seen me on the Sunday gatherings. I mean, I get to exercise my creativity. They're fun. Mm -hmm. They're interesting. And now we have this global community. And I really think that although there will be live events in the future, but this is the future because there are so many more people that can now tune in for free and get this shot of spirituality and get to know that they are perfect just the way they are and help through grief and all these great things. So it's only going to grow. And then once the world cleans up, we'll we'll start traveling again. But we've already discussed no matter where we are, we're going to keep having our gatherings going. The question I had about the online courses is I've experienced magic in the breakout rooms. And so Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you too, you had mentioned sitting in the power. There are people that are listening or viewing right now that don't have a clue what that is. If you could talk about that and just about, what happens in the breakout rooms?
1: Okay, but first, I just want to tell you, hmm. you are a pioneer because you started a movement. Nobody else was doing this online, and now church services are online, classes are online, everybody's zooming. So uh, that's uh, something to Thanks, think about. Story. Thank you. So um, sitting in the power is um, is your way for two ways, two things actually. Sitting in the power for me is a little different from meditation because meditation is a a mind relaxing kind of a thing. Whereas for me, sitting in the power is much more of um, a connection point for me with the spirit world. And there are different ways to access um, that particular I, I call it the, the, the citadel inside myself, your, your inner sanctum. Everybody has it. It's not special. It's not just for mediums. Everybody, the human body is designed that way. And uh, the same as we're all designed to have psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. So when, when I go into that quiet time and I spend that, that's when I can come face to face with um, the energy of love that I describe as the divine. Or my spirit team. I do use meditation too. When I need to relax. Clear my mind. And just reflect on things. I will do that as well. Um, The best way. uh, To describe what happens. In the breakout rooms. um, When you do a Thursday. Class in mediumship. Or a Wednesday class in psychic. you're, You're face to face. With another person who's in the class. And then. You each do a reading for the other. And it I found when I did the psychic readings, um, I remember coming back and saying to Carrie and Phil, you know, the most amazing thing is you fall in love with that other person because you get to know their soul. You see inside them and you see that divine connection that we all have with them. And that really was so profound for me to feel that. And it wasn't just with one person. The next time I went in a breakout room, it was the same thing. I still felt the same way. I thought, Now, you don't learn people's secrets that they don't want to divulge to you. But you see that pure essence. You see their soul qualities in a way that just lets you know about the oneness that connects all of us. And then when you go in the mediumship one, we each bring through loved ones for the other. And then the lovely thing is you get a little bit of acknowledgement, a yes or a no, or I don't know. And it just helps you to hone your skills and practice and practice. And it is supportive of each other. And you can, you, I also go into a a different group for demonstrating mediums. And so I, I have done all the classes. So you need to know that. I have to I have done all of the classes. <laughs> um, I'm I'm hooked on spirits, so that's all right. Um, I've cut back a little bit now. Um, but uh, all I can tell you is uh, the Tuesday class is something that I think is absolutely wonderful. You don't have to be a medium or a psychic. It's about developing yourself personally, uh, learning to um, to know yourself and accept yourself, your light, your dark, To heal the the inner child, heal your wounds, reflect, um, know why you sometimes behave the way you do, but understanding yourself in a significant way. And I think every single person on earth could benefit from that class. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Uh, I know I, I probably sound like a broken record, but I have been doing this since the very beginning. And I have been to every single class, so um, I know that my mediumship development has uh, grown in leaps and bounds. Even though I demonstrated before, feeling uh, carry and, and um, I had done readings, etc., everything has just been fine-tuned to such a degree, and my um, it has accelerated my progress. And I will be a lifelong learner. I'm a believer in that because other professionals do um, continuing education. And I think mediums should too, because there's always something to learn. There's a better way of doing things that are going to come. So um, however it happens, I'll be there. I'll be the student, perennial student. Luckily, I, the tuition is not universal, not university level. so. I can manage
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's addictive in a good way. because oh, yes. When you leave something feeling so good or even with myself, every so often I, I'll be in the medium class and I think I'm saying something from my imagination. You know, I'm getting this <laughs> weird feeling and I, I just, you know, the idea is just to share whatever we get and to have that person on the other side saying in the breakout room, that's my husband. He did that. He said that this is this, this happened. And then my sweet little grandmother hasn't come through very much at all. She was always a very quiet person. And in the breakout room on one of those Thursdays, the most beautiful evidence came out about my little grandmother being by my side and so much evidence and I think she probably felt comfortable being with that one person <laughs> yep. instead of in front of a big group They're just so I, sacred.
1: I love the ones that bring their energy so that you just feel full of their passion. And and it just, um, you, you feel as though they climbed inside your body uh, because they're so energetic. It's wonderful. Talk
0: about that a little bit. When you do a reading for somebody, the agreement is whatever comes in, you're going to share, right? So how do they come in to you? Is it clairvoyance with vision? Talk maybe a little bit about the feeling or if you get any tastes or smells or anything like that.
1: It comes in every single one of those ways. Um, And it's up to the spirit communicator, the the individual in the spirit world, Mm -hmm. how they're comfortable communicating. Um, One of the benefits of the classes is that you learn to develop each and every single one of those psychic faculties. So that whichever way, the whole idea is to perfect yourself as a medium. So that whichever way that spirit individual wants to communicate, wants to talk to you or show you or let you smell a perfume or a tobacco or that you know. And for me, a lot of the time it comes as cognizance, so that I just know And then when I just know, I don't know how I know. It just, everything seems to come together. Um, Sometimes when I get a clairvoyant vision right at the very beginning, it's not even a nanosecond. But I know once I make the connection with the individual, all the information that came in that nanosecond just unfolds and it rolls off your tongue. And I understand what you say about feeling that it's your imagination. And I, when I first had clear cognizance, that's what I thought it was. I thought it was my imagination. And then I just said, oh, just talk. Just talk. And when you start hearing, yes, correct? Yes. Yes. You think it's not my imagination. Don't doubt it.
0: I think that's really important to underline because even people that aren't practicing mediums never took a class. You get these l- little whiffs of cologne or the pipe yes. or that feeling or out of the corner of your eye, you think somebody's sitting there, that's your loved one. And then we just brush it off as our imagination. But that's, that's communication.
1: <laughs> it is. And, or you feel. You just feel or a thought comes in here, man, all of a sudden, out of the blue. So you're not thinking in a linear fashion. All of a sudden you say, oh, why am I thinking about my mother all of a sudden? You know, it's because your mother's there. She's present. She's making herself known to you. There's so many ways that they reach out that if we're not aware, we don't recognize. But um, it's the most magical thing that um, they live in the same world, Sim. A different dimension, but in the same space we occupy. So they're always present. We just aren't always aware. I know
0: your husband is in the spirit world. Yes. And I wanted to ask about him coming through and how you still communicate with him. How's your relationship now? Because they're very much alive.
1: Yes. Um, well, I have to tell you that it took eight years for my husband to decide to make himself known to me. Wow. And, um, I was doing mediumship and I was in, in a milieu where there were lots of mediums who could have brought him through, but I also have come to understand that, um, after he passed and I had to learn to develop my own strengths, my independence, how I needed to function in the world without a partner, um, I had a business I had to sell. I would had a business for over 13 years. Um, I had, my mother was now a widow. My father died 16 months after my husband died. And so, um, I became a caregiver, but after that, um, eight years when he finally, uh, did make himself known, then the floodgates opened and he comes through quite regularly. Um, I have a, a way of knowing when it's him. Uh, my two strongest communicators are my husband and my mother. And um, I can feel the energy is different and also how I feel um, in certain places on my face. So, um, and I was annoyed just recently because for about three weeks, I hadn't been aware of my husband And then I did a two-day course with Phil and Carrie, and every single time I was in a breakout room, or guess who came through? So it was if to say, you know, I'm always here. It's just, you know, I guess he must be busy sometimes. I'm not. I may be his wife, but he also has children in the spirit, you know, in in uh, on Earth. So, uh, but it's a wonderful path that you follow together. It's a different path. It's not the same. You do miss the physical. There's no, no doubt. I would love to have his arms wrapped around me in a great big bear hug, but to know that he's walking with me and supporting me and loving me in the same way is one of the greatest gifts of mediumship that I will ever have. How about your little sister? Um, She just recently came through. Now, she was um, nonverbal when she passed. Mm -hmm. Um, She had a chronic condition. And so when she comes, she always comes as an appearance. But then my mother will step in behind um, so that my mother will do the communication or my father will do the communication. It's usually my mother because my father was um, his nickname was silence when he was growing up so he was a very quiet man and uh, my mother is the one that is very dynamic and full of energy so uh, that's how she would come forward but um see i i only have two memories of my sister and that was the day she died because we were playing together when she passed and then the spirit one and the time in her coffin so we don't have shared memories in my bank of memories i was too young um but i'm sure she has a much greater perspective and I'm sure she has grown up and uh, I know she's healthy and uh, um, doing well in the spirit world because we lose all our afflictions when we go there.
0: That's so wonderful. And when they pass, um, there's no memory of any pain. No. Healthy. Well, What difference does it make in your life now being a medium and the difference that it makes on your recipients?
1: Mm. Uh, My husband has been gone now for um, 17 years. I don't feel alone. I'm never lonely. Mm. Mediumship um, gives me a whole family in the spirit world that I'm aware of. Um, It also changes me in that now, ever since I was little, I've never had a fear of death. I have a different um, philosophy of life. I guess it is mediumship to me is not a career. I've had, I've had about six different careers. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, You know, I've had different paths. Um, But for me, mediumship is, is a calling. It's a vocation. Um, I think I was called in Assisi to do what I do now. I think I felt that tap on my shoulder a long time ago, but didn't know what it meant. And it was only made clear to me in Assisi. And I know that I don't know what I would do if the spirit world stopped communicating with me all of a sudden. I don't think that'll ever happen, but um, I'm a medium because I can't not be a medium.
0: That's beautiful. And I know you've made a difference for a ton of people who have walked that path of grief and depression and hard to even get up in the morning. And then through your kindness and your calling, you shared just some of those details about their loved one that you couldn't possibly know to lift their hearts, that their loved one is still alive because we are real people when we transition, we are very real. we're not just these balls of light or anything
1: like that. no, they aren't, and they bring their sense of humor, they bring their quirks because they want to be recognized um you know we know that they progress on the other side, mm-hmm. but they come to us so that we can identify them they they bring forward and they'll bring forward their not so nice qualities too because. They're a whole person.
0: That's right. Oh, Dory, wonderful! Is there anything else you'd like to share that I haven't asked you?
1: Um, I'm trying to think. I think um, one of the things that um, I love the best about um, the mediumship and uh, is the the different gifts that I've been given, um, not just the the mental mediumship. Um but the the gifts of the inspirational writing that um, a group of spirits called Phaedra brought to me. Um, I've had spirit art. All of a sudden in 2019, um, spirit gave me the gift of fine art and portraiture that I had not done before. Um, And it just seems that spirit just keeps on giving and I I cannot tell you. uh, To me, I keep on saying it's a gift of grace or it's a gift of miracle, whatever it is. But um, I think that once you open yourself to spirit, magic happens. And um, you just have to be aware to accept with gratitude, especially since in Canada, this is gratitude weekend. This is Thanksgiving weekend Mm -hmm. here. So um, it's a wonderful time to be able to share how very grateful I am for it's going to sound strange to say the but the all the life challenges that I have had because those very life challenges the suffering the um the agonies we all go through each of those experiences changes you if You're aware that in the seed of every bad thing that happens to you, there's a kernel of knowledge that you have to discover. And if you take time to reflect, go over it and look and say, what did I learn from it? Is there a lesson in it for me? There always is. And it's usually something that propels you forward. We all have crises in our lives. It's not what happens to you. It's what will you do? with what happens to you that makes the difference in your path and in your spiritual development. Beautiful. And how can people reach you and what services do you offer? Um, I do private readings, um, evidential mediumship readings. Um, I also do um, now those are about the communicator. I also do psychic readings, which would be about yourself. I do do spiritual assessments. Um, I. I have done demonstrations, workshops. The best way to reach me is my website at doryrice.com. And that gives you a little bit of information. You can book directly on there if you need a reading. Give you a little bit of an information, but you've heard a lot about me here. But um, that's the best way. And if there's also a, a page on my website that if you have a question, or a comment if you want. You can always reach out and send it to me on that. So uh, I'm always able to help. I hope. I'm willing and to we, help. let put it that way. Absolutely. And we have a code of ethics, right? We do. We do not predict. We don't do health. We don't give advice. And we are always professional and confidential. Beautiful. Well,
0: Dory, it's been a very fast hour. I wish we were sitting side by side on a couch having a cup of tea, but this is the next best thing until that happens. Thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts for your commitment to humanity, both here living, because you know firsthand the pain of grief, and to those who get an opportunity to have their voice heard again. And those are our friends in the spirit world. What a gift.
1: Thank Thank you you so much, Sandra. I really have appreciated this. As I say, we've never had a conversation before. It's been a hello, goodbye kind of a thing. So it's kind of nice to have a chat. Um, I know we're like friends online, but um, as I say, it's always just very, very briefly. We know each other, but we don't know each other.
0: Well, we are a member of a big family. And that is what we've created online. And it's really interesting because when you can be real with someone, and you're involved with talking about the afterlife and grief and love and and you tap into those special gifts that we all
1: have. Yes,
0: I mean it's just beautiful. You, like you say, you can fall in love with somebody who's on the screen, right there in your room. I mean, they're just really regular, wonderful people who have these bright lights shining. And for our listener or our viewer. Sometimes it's very hard to believe that there's a bigger picture going on here, Mm -hmm. but I don't think as humans, we're meant to know 24 hours of the day, seven days a week, this bigger picture, because there's learning to be had, there's emotions to feel, there's a journey to be on, but as a little gift, there are those times. And I think everybody has felt them, Dory. Whether you know the phone's going to ring and then it does, you know who's on the other line or you say something at the same time someone else says it or you just get that gut instinct or that knowing. We get these little flashes of our divinity. So my request to everyone is just take a deep breath. Realize we're on this planet hurling around a never-ending universe. (laughs) down to our tiniest tiniest molecule and atom within, we are empty space. Mm-hmm. Our human brains that we have now are not meant to know it all, but you don't have to believe the negative thoughts that might come from your mind. We all have them, but you can say, not right now, thanks for sharing. <laughs> and take Dory up on being in those precious moments, asking, Dory, let me just ask for someone who wants to start their spiritual journey and be in touch with the divine. Is it as
1: easy as just asking and allowing? Yes. And spending time in the quiet, because when you spend time in the quiet, you send out your plea that you want this. And then you wait, you wait for the answer. It may not come in the moment but it will come. Wow. And it may not and come in your way. most desperate times. Yeah.
0: Wow. And it could come in a, through the voice of someone else in the weirdest way. Anyway. I want to just say two miraculous things that have recently happened is um, one gentleman had a child who passed, unfortunately, and never even knew anything about podcasts or anything and just wanted to listen to some news. So on his uh, cell phone, he just asked Siri to play some news and what popped up is an episode of this. We don't die radio. Wow. And got him in. And then just a couple of days ago, I got a a message from a lady whose son has passed, uh, unfortunately. And when she walked into her house, not only was the television on, but on the smart television, YouTube was on. And it was the beginning of our Sunday gathering. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> no so,
1: coincidences.
0: Right. So there is a magnificent force, but the more you ask and like Dory keeps stepping up for more, I think that's probably why you're given more because you you are pure of service you have love in your heart and I think that's why I've always liked you so much I just think I know who you are you I just you know I that's I know good you.
1: thank you I like yeah. that
0: <laughs> and for our listener or for our viewer also we know who you are if you're here even if you're at the very beginning of your spiritual journey just hang on there's lots of episodes to listen to lots of free things you might want to come on one of our classes and 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 Start learning and exercising the power of your own soul. But the journey, it's about the journey, not the destination. The same thing holds true with our spiritual journey. I wish I could give you a little thumb drive with everything I've learned the past 25 years about the afterlife and all these magical, miraculous experiences I've had. And then you just plug it in and you download it and voila, you have it. But I cannot. (laughs) but I don't think it would work anyways. I think it takes you being on your personal journey and finding your own truths. So all I ask is that you hang in there. We have lots of resources at Mm wedontdie.com. Please come to a Sunday gathering free. Absolutely. There's a ton of replays there so you can be inspired for a long time (laughs) and you have at least one episode for every day of the year of this show, we have lots. And uh, I'm only an email away, Sandra Champlain at gmail.com. That's me. So, one last time, I want to thank Dory Rice for being here. You can find out more about her at DoryRice.com. And for our listener or our viewer, um, really think about what we've talked about today and Be open that just around you, just a breath away, are our loved ones. Now, they're not always here. you know. They're only a thought away, so they can be. But our lives continue on. They're healthy. They're well. They're safe. They're vibrant. And while we're here, our life is for a purpose. And so go on your own journey. You won't regret Mm. it. You've got family here and friends. And even though we haven't met in person, and we may. We certainly may, but we are very real people and we love you and we appreciate you. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain and I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for our our soul and that our life here on earth is important. So ask, be open, quiet the mind, go on that internal journey. You won't regret it. So thank you for listening or for viewing